It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app now on all your iOS devices and check out the beta on Android. And join me next Thursday at 6 p.m. as we talk all things Reds. That's Locker Room, changing the way that we talk sports. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. We're going to talk about this win. We're going to talk about the Reds beating the Cardinals in the first game of a four-game series at Bush Stadium and what that means for the weekend ahead. Also have some Jeff's Junk Mail to get to. We're going to jump into all of that on today's podcast. Before we do, though, make sure that you're following the podcast. That way you don't miss anything that I've got for you this season. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513 513- I'm excited to announce that next week, it's going to be on Wednesday's podcast episode, we're going to have Dan Horde join the show. He hosts Extra Innings on Sundays on 700 WLW. We're going to talk about the Reds with him. He was a minor league broadcaster. We're going to talk about that. He also happens to coach a little league team. I'm curious as to his management style. We'll talk to him about all of that and more next Wednesday as Dan Horde will join the show. But let's talk about this win. That was a complete team effort. That is what we are talking about whenever we say we need the Reds to put it all together. There's games where the bats are working and the pitching's not. There's games where the pitching's working, the batting's not. And there's games where the pitching and the batting's working, but nobody's catching the ball in the field and they just can't put it all together. Yesterday was exactly how you draw it up. There was timely hitting, timely pitching, and oh my gosh, as as few times as we have been able to say this this year and as few times as we may be able to say it all year, the fielding won this game. The Reds defense that is much maligned and deservedly so absolutely stepped up last night. And the biggest play of all, obviously, was Tucker Barnhart in the ninth inning whenever Mike Schilt decided to use two, not one, but two position players back-to-back to try and bunt runners over. Now, don't get me wrong, Edmundo Sosa's bunt was like the most perfect bunt that you've ever seen. It stopped in the grass and in the infield down third base line in the middle of no man's land. That was perfect. And then the very next guy, Jose Rodon, or Rondon, uh, comes up and lays down just a terrible bunt. Kudos, too, to Lucas Sims for that great pitch. He saw that Rondone was squaring around a bunt on the last pitch, so he kind of stepped off the rubber to make sure the runners got back because runners were on first and second. Just in case you didn't see it, I'll, I'll run through it because this was an exciting play. And, and so he steps off the rubber to kind of reset things, and as he comes set again, he checks the runner, but he also sees... Rondon squaring around a bunt, getting ready to square the bunt. And it's like, you know what? How can he affect it? He throws a slider up and in 
that Rondone can't get out of the way fast enough. He still ends up trying to bunt it. The ball falls two feet in front of the plate in foul territory, and Tucker Barnhart does what a two-time gold glove catcher does in that situation. Picks it, throws the third, gets one, and then the relay to first base for the second out double play. Huge momentum shift because the Cardinals had first and second with nobody out. And they didn't have a pitcher up. I don't understand. If I were a Cardinals, if if I were Lucas Smith, a locked on Cardinals, I'd be kind of mad. Just have Rondon swing away because you got Paul Goldschmidt on deck. But hey, thank you for the favor, Mike Schilt and Jose Rondon, because that ended up costing them the game. Wonderful performances by Vladimir Gutierrez in his second career start. He had three walks and three strikeouts, so those kind of evened out. He only gave up three hits. He did allow those two earned runs. But honestly, when it mattered most, he stepped up. He was pitching very well in the third, the fourth, the fifth innings and looked phenomenal. He only threw 77 pitches, but I kind of agree with David Bell pulling him. Don't get into trouble in the sixth inning and then bring in TJ Antone with runners on base. Allow TJ Antone to work with a blank slate. Everybody likes painting with a uh, blank sheet of paper rather than trying to fix what they've already messed up. And that's exactly what happened here because TJ Antone came in. He pitched great. Then Lucas Sims came in. He got, like I said, got into trouble there in the ninth. But in the eighth inning, he faced the middle of the Cardinals order and dispatched of them very quickly. This was a game that the Reds had to win and they went out and they got the win. And then, of course, doing Jesse Winker with a home run and a three hit night. Just a great night for him. He continues to be a catalyst in this lineup. Nick Castellanos tried to keep up with him. He only had two hits. It's okay. You know, you'll you'll get him tomorrow, dude. Uh, But, yeah, it's just a a great night overall. Sure, you could point to a couple of things. You could point to a couple of people and say, man, it would have been nice to see a little bit better performance there. But, overall, everything added up to exactly what you wanted. A W. And now... We looked at Friday night's game and Luis Castillo going up against Kwang Hyung Kim. The Reds have not fared well against Kim and Luis Castillo has not fared well in 2021. But but worrying about today is for, you know, a couple hours from now, Reds fans. Let's continue to relish the fact that Vladimir Gutierrez really seems to be grabbing onto the reins of a rotation spot. Now... Don't get me wrong, I'm never going to sit here and expect him to hold opposing hitters and opposing lineups to just one or two earned runs. He's going to have some bad days. Every pitcher does. See tonight's starting pitcher. But at the same token, he has shown a lot of what I think are sustainable talents and sustainable qualities to a pitcher. He does not look rattled. And in fact, a lot of the times, even like during the first inning, he looked loose. He looked as if he was having fun out there. He looked as if he'd been doing this for a long time. He did not look like the game was too big for him. He looked like everything was just coming to him and he was eating it all up. And I know, you know, you could get a little bit more swings and misses, a little bit better walks and stuff like that. But at the same token, he pitched exactly as good as he needed to be exactly 
when he needed to pitch that way. I think that Goody, by the way, Goody is Gucci. I think that Goody has earned himself a rotation spot. And I think that's why we saw the report from Bobby Nightingale that Michael Lorenzen will be rehabbing and working his way up to a bullpen spot, not a starting rotation spot. Now, what that means for TJ Antone, I don't know if they're going to play around with that. Maybe, who knows? But honestly, I love what Gutierrez has brought to the table these first two starts, and I'm looking forward to what he continues to do. The spider neck tattoo guy. I, I, I've seen a lot of national writers uh, talk about that. that that's a uh, that's a creepy looking spider. I mean, you see somebody with a spider neck tattoo, like you probably saying, okay, I know not to mess with that guy. And uh, opposing hitters are saying that as well, because Goody is pretty good on the mount. All right, coming up here, we're going to dive into some Jeff's junk mail. Also got a few thoughts on tonight's game. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to let you know, if you didn't listen to me last night, you could have made a couple of bucks. Go to betonline.ag, set up your profile, and type in the promo code LOCKEDON. They'll give you 50% more added onto that initial deposit, and from time to time, I'll give you these locks. Yesterday, I gave you a lock of the Brewers minus one and a half against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and it hit. They won seven to four, so you made a couple of dollars there. Don't have a concrete tip for you today, but always make sure that you listen in to see if I've got something for you, because most of the time, I will. And check out betonline.ag today. Set up your profile and type in the promo code LOCKED ON to get 50% added onto your initial deposit. Bet online is the only website I trust to wager on MLB, NBA, NHL. Whenever football's back, they'll have that. They've got MMA, UFC, boxing, all of that good stuff. Yeah, I know MMA and UFC, it's like the same thing. Whatever. They've got everything that you can think of for sports. They've even got reality TV if you want to get into all that. Check it out today, betonline.ag. And when you set up your profile, type in the promo code Locked On. Speaking of ways to turn your sports knowledge into cash, there is a new website that combines fantasy sports and the stock market so that you can make some cash off of what you know in the sporting world. I'm talking about sportstrade.com. The way that you make money on sports trade is as easy as a two-step process. Number one, the value of a player's performance based on fantasy point value compared to his projections. You know, the better a guy performs the more value he's going to have, and supply and demand. The more demand that a player has, the higher his value goes. So you can go to sportstrade.com today. Watch the How It Works video and get started building your player portfolio. You can fill your portfolio with blue chip stocks, the veterans that always deliver solidly night in and night out, or you can be one of the firsts in the little penny stocks, the rookies, with all of the upside, and watch those values rise. Check out sportstrade.com today. Like I said, watch that How It Works video so you know exactly what you're getting into, and set up your profile on SportsTrade and start making cash today. Don't miss this innovative new look at fantasy sports at sportstrade.com. All right, I got some thoughts about tonight's game, but before we jump into all of that, I've got some Jeff junk mail I want to get to. Firstly, from our buddy Chad in Lancaster, he's got a good one tonight. He says, the Reds have used two position players to pitch in a game this year, which hadn't been done since 1902. At the end of that game, 
all the fans were given their money back, I guess since it was such a disappointment. What kind of disappointments would it take in 2021 for the fans to deserve their money back? Thanks, Chad. I appreciate the question. Um, This is the part of sports that really kind of bums me out. Because we all love the competition. We all love wins and losses. We love homers. We love strikeouts. We love singles, doubles, triples. We love good catches, good throws, all that good stuff. What we don't like to hear about really that much is the business side of things. Contracts, this and that and the other. Sports has become such a business. I, I can't envision there being a scenario in 2021 in any sport, especially baseball, where a team owner or team a people running a Major League Baseball team would decide to give money back to the fans. Especially a team like the Reds that has told us in so many different ways, so many different times, that it's all about the gate revenue. Which is sad to say because that means that the sport is all about the money. But let's think of this, a little bit of a cross-sport reference here. In the NBA, and this is a little while ago, in my mind it didn't happen that long ago, but I know it did happen a while ago. Think of Malice at the Palace. The Pistons and the Pacers, that huge fight that happened where players were going up into the stands. You had, you had fans that were asking for it, to be honest with you. They were throwing crap at players. But the players decided to go up in the fans, and they were fighting with the fans. There was fans fighting with players, players fighting with players. All It, it was just all-around chaos. One of the worst things in sports history. Did anybody get a refund for that game? Did the Pistons uh, refund people's tickets? Now, there might have been a lawsuit or two, and, a, you know, I don't know that that counts, but, like, guy up in the upper deck who's coming here to watch a game, and he sees that. Yeah, did they get money back for that? We, we live in a society that is so capitalistic to the point that things like this, there is no performance, I think, on the field that the Reds could offer that would garner a refund. 17-3 to at home, and you have to use two position players just to finish the game? I figure that would do it. And I love the fact, because this is why I love studying way back baseball history. 1902, they do give the money back because there's two position players that had to finish the game because they were so horribly beaten that they had given up on it. And this is back when sports wasn't about the money. Most players had second jobs, especially during the offseason, and ticket prices were like you know, minuscule compared to what they are now. These days, unfortunately, I don't know that there'd be anything. Uh, maybe maybe if they had to bring the mascots into pitch. Maybe if that was, I don't know. But I appreciate the question, Chad. That, that was it's kind of funny to think about. Um, I got another one. This is on Twitter. JoJo Jammer tweeted at Locked on Reds. He said, Dear David Bell, only pitch Anton and Sims out of the bullpen this series and worry about the aftermath later. Thank you, signed Reds fans. I kind of like that. Uh, I, I think that that would probably kill their arms and pretty much get them out of the Milwaukee series at least. And I know that David Bell always says in his postgame interviews, well, we don't like to pitch our guys a lot. You know, we don't like to 
uh, pitch him too much. We like to give him a, enough off days and uh, things like that. I know. I get it. I understand the whole rest thing. But at the same token, this is an important series. Now, probably by the end of the fourth game, Anton and Sims might be feeling rubber-armed and a little bit noodle-armed even maybe and might not be as effective and you might have to throw in a Heath Hembry or something like that. But at the same token, they have been far and away the two best options out of this bullpen. And it's interesting because last night during the game, uh, Scott Strassmeyer tweeted out, you know, please have Gutierrez go five innings and then Sims and Antones get two innings apiece. And hey, that's what happened. And the Reds won. I was a little worried there in the ninth inning whenever Sims got into trouble and Heath Hembry was warming up. And I'm like, oh, is this going to happen? Are we really going to implode like this? Thankfully, that did not happen. But at the same token, just understanding how big this Cardinals series is for this Reds season. I know it's June and and saying that must wins are are in June are kind of goofy. But I'll reiterate what Joey Votto said. It gets late early. And it's kind of getting late for these Reds here in early June. So they really need to focus hard on really trying to get three out of four here. Two out of four is a must, must, must. You can't lose three out of these four games, especially after winning the first game. But if it means you got to pitch TJ Antone and Lucas Sims all four days, I might might be all for that. And one more question uh, before... We move on to kind of looking more into tonight's game. This one comes from Danny in Springfield. He says, whenever Joey Votto comes back, where at in the lineup do you see him hitting? That's a good question because he had kind of been moved around a little bit. I still think if everything's going right, he's hitting fifth. The only problem is Moose isn't going to be back yet, so you can't really put him fifth. And they might continue Eugenio Suarez hitting leadoff to try and get him more at-bats to get going. So that could be... So you could see a scenario where it's Gino, Winker, Castellanos, Vado. I kind of would like that, though, because then you give Castellanos that threat behind him and that forces the opposing pitcher to pitch to him. Because I don't know that you're going to see many opposing pitchers want to load the bases regardless of whoever is hitting behind Joey Votto at that point. I would love to see Votto bat fourth, maybe third, but honestly, I want him behind Castellanos just to give Castellanos, give opposing pitchers a reason to throw Castellanos a strike. And I know that right now, even with this mentality that there's nobody behind Castellanos, I mean, Tyler Stevenson is becoming a pretty good hitter, so he isn't a nobody. But at the same token, hitters, or at the same token, opposing pitchers are going to be a lot more inclined to throw Castellanos a couple of good pitches to not just straight up walk him for Joey Votto as opposed to Tyler Stevenson. So I think at least in the early going, whenever he comes back, I want him batting fourth. But I do not envision a scenario where you break up the Winker Castellanos one-two punch. Because if David Bell starts doing that, then he's going to kind of weaken this lineup. It's weird to think, but those two guys, lefty-righty, one-two punch of the two best hitters in the National League, has been absolutely phenomenal. 
okay, well, I guess Fernando Tatis and Ronald Acuna probably have an argument about the whole two best hitters in the National League, but Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos are up there, and they're on the same lineup, and Joey Votto is going to bring some help, so I'd love to see him, at least in the early going, hitting fourth. All right, we're going to jump into this Friday night matchup here in just a minute. And I got a question for you. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus they add in the occasional limited time flavor? You got to check it out today. You can check out my favorite flavor, Cherry Barcia, or they've got Coconut coconut Almond, which basically tastes like a uh, Almond Joy. Uh, they've got Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Peanut Butter Brownie, Double Chocolate, and salted caramel. There is something for everyone. And if you're not sure which one's your favorite, you can create a mixed box. That way you can try all the flavors and find your favorite one. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're also healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. There's even a couple that have even more, like 18 grams of protein. Order them today and get that Cherry Barcia or, you know, try Mint Brownie or a mix box, whatever you like. When it comes to Built Bar, you can also save by using the promo code LOCKED15. Go to BuiltBar.com today. Use that promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com and the promo code Locked 15. All right, so tonight the Reds get another crack at KK Kim, Kwang Hyun Kim, for the St. Louis Cardinals. They faced him three times in his career. And what's weird about the three times that the Reds have faced him, they're very different from what his profile on baseball Savant says, because when they look at the other statistics, now they talk about average exit velocity and hard hit contact percentage. It's, it's kind of right there at league average, maybe a little bit better than league average for KK Kim. He doesn't give up a lot of that hard contact and he doesn't really walk a ton of people, but at the same token, everything else is pretty low. He's in the 38th percentile of max exit velocity, which means he's given up a really, really hard hit. He's in the 28th percentile of expected weighted on base average, which is the stat that kind of is the overarching hitting statistic that takes everything into account, says that he should be getting hit harder. His expected ERA says that he's getting lucky. His ERA right now is at 3.65. His expected ERA is 4.68. And in fact, last year, the shortened 2020 season that it was, his ERA was 1.61, and his expected ERA was 3.85. So he outperforms his peripherals maybe a little bit. Maybe he's just getting really lucky. It's hard to tell, but when you look at the three games that he's pitched against the Reds, it's pretty easy to tell that the Reds have struggled. They've only gotten one run on KK Kim in three starts. He's thrown 16 and two-thirds innings. He's given up 11 hits. Two walks, 15 strikeouts, and exactly one run. That's it. Maybe that means that the Reds are due. Maybe that means that they are due for him to have a bad game against them because it was something interesting that the morning spin from Reds Content Plus had in their newsletter this morning was they were talking about the fact that he doesn't really have much spin 
He doesn't really have much velocity. He doesn't really have much movement. So it's all about if he can hit his spots. He's a crafty left-hander who, if he's just a little bit off of hitting his spots, the Reds should have a good day. So maybe that is what happens today. Although pitching at home, most pitchers are a little bit more comfortable there. And Kwon Hyung Kim is no different. In seven games, six of them starts, he's thrown 32 and two-thirds innings at Bush Stadium. He's allowed five earned runs. He's allowed one home run, 23 strikeouts to six walks. And that is six starts compared to nine starts on the road. In his nine starts on the road, he's given up 17 earned runs, five home runs. It's, you know, a bit of a difference there. Even though it's three more games, I, I get that too. But on the same token, like, this is time for the Reds to make some hay. And they're going to need to. Because on the mound, for them, is their ace. Their ace who hasn't pitched like an ace. You don't need me to recite the numbers. Luis Castillo has struggled to this point. Now, I can tell you that his expected statistics show that he's getting unlucky. And a lot of it has to do with bad defense. But at the same token... Most of it just has to do, I think, some people are surmising like a mechanical adjustment needs to be made. Maybe changing of a release point or something like that. I don't know. Because he's not getting the swings and misses on his changeup and his slider that he used to. And those are the pitches that he gets people out with. The fastball is to set those pitches up. Now, don't get me wrong, the velocity looks good. So, I don't think he's hurt. But on the other end of the spectrum, like, uh, yeah, they just need him to perform. I I think I've kind of run out of ways to explain the positives, the negatives, the scenarios, and and what needs to happen. We just need Luis Castillo to pitch well. We need him to put the Reds in a position to win the ballgame. It's not something he's done lately. And I know that his last start... There were two unearned runs because of bad defense. And then the game got blown up by the bullpen because he allowed four total runs. Only two of them were earned. And whenever he left, there were runners on base. And the relievers that came in promptly allowed those runs to score and all of that stuff. But at the same token, he has been hard to watch. I was trying to think of a better word there, but yeah, he, Luis Castillo, it, it's been a labor to watch him pitch. It's like every time you see him on the mound, you almost cringe whenever he goes into his motion. Like, oh, please let this be a good pitch. Please let this work. It's kind of the same way I feel about a. Eugenio Suarez playing a shortstop whenever he fields a ball and goes to throw it. You're like, oh, uh, uh, please, please, please work. The Reds need Luis Castillo to be the La Piedra we all know that he can be. Because without that, they don't contend. And if he even pitches like slightly better, like a step up, not, not, not even ace level, but if he's not giving up an ERA of seven, maybe his ERA is like five something or something like that, the Reds have probably won three or four more games. And we're feeling a lot differently about this team. That just goes to show you the level of performance that Luis Castillo is so close. But it also seems like it's so far. Hopefully, he takes that step tonight because the Reds need him to, especially against a pitcher that 
the only three times they faced him, they've had no luck against him. Maybe tonight they can get some luck. I, I think that, and one other thing I forgot to mention about KK Kim is he is very adept at pitching into the shift. We're going to see lots of shifts from the Cardinals defense tonight. Hopefully the Reds can hit them where they ain't and put some runs on the board early and get out of here with two wins in two games in Bush Stadium and we'll be feeling really good about this series. Hopefully we'll be recapping a good series, a winning series on Monday. That's going to do it for us though here today. Now remember the project, there's two things for you to remember. Number one, remember the project that we got going on next weekend. We're going to have our first bonus episode, the top 10 reds to play catcher. Get your takes in. I've got my own, but get your names in for the list, whether it be on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's or at Lockdown Reds or on the Lockdown Reds line at 513-549-0159. And also remember that next Wednesday, Dan Horde will join the show and we'll be talking about all things Reds and broadcasting, announcing, and managing Little League. But that's coming up next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast and downloading. I appreciate all of you. I will talk to each and every one of you on Monday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.